This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yo, what's up, guys? You like our podcast? You want to make your own? You have all the power, all the resources you need to make your own podcast. That's right. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you a rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify, which is super important. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. That's right. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm to get started. It's what we use. We get a little kickback from it, and we appreciate it. So if you guys want your own podcast, go to Anchor. .fm to get started. Peace. Hello and welcome to the Anatomy of Marriage podcast, a show where you can ask a real marriage therapist anything about relationships. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. Hello, my name is Seth Studley. I'm the licensed marriage and family therapist, and today is day 28 of 100 days of AOM Q&A. And this episode is titled, My Husband Won't Talk to Me, He Thinks I Am Being Stupid, and I Have a Lower Sex Drive. If you're new here, welcome. The Anatomy of Marriage podcast is a show dedicated to helping couples and individuals grow stronger relationships through self-awareness, education tools, and community. You can learn all about our relationship in episode one, where we talk about everything, sex, communication, how we almost got divorced, and also get more info at anatomyofmarriage.com. And today's episode, again, is not super appropriate for little ones to hear. So if you're listening to this on uh, your computer with the sound up, put your headphones on, y'all. And also, this is not actual marriage therapy. Don't use it as a substitute. That's our disclaimer. Um, And then before we dive into today's questions, we're going to read a review of the day and tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com forward slash anatomy of marriage. Get a free audiobook. I'm currently reading The Power of Habit and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I just read uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Before that, I read Take Control of Your Life by Mel Robbins. So go there, get a free audiobook because they're amazing. But the review of the day is from Jamie Billington and it says, go ahead and read that. I started listening to the podcast a couple of weeks ago, starting from season one. It has been purely amazing to listen to. I strongly recommend listening to those first 12 episodes like I did and then continuing to listen from there. They're so chock full of psychological perspectives on why we do what we do and how we are the way we are. It is a wonderfully poignant and heart-changing journey. I know... I don't know them personally, but I love who they are and their willingness to bear it all for us to live it out with them. You are absolutely not alone, and this couple demonstrates that, as well as the fact that none of us are perfect, nor do we have to be. I feel that they demonstrate God's love in such a personal way by example. They, The way they continue to work through things together, they continue fighting for each other, They demonstrate the actual examples with each other and with their children. They show love to one another and their audience in a myriad of ways. Thank you guys so much, and please keep doing what you're doing. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks, Jamie. 
And that thanks was a also, wonderful review. You are killing it this week. Woohoo! We are. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Um, it's just we're so thankful for everyone who has <clears throat> reviewed the podcast. It gives us a lot of pizzazz. <laughs> pizzazz. <laughs> well, it gives it, us. It, it gives it, us. It's feedback. like hopeful. It makes us feel really good. It gives us feedback. It gives me the okay. pizzazz. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's see. All right. So question let's see. number one. Question number one. I've heard you both talk about I statements and how helpful they can be to communication. I've been trying it, but my husband doesn't respond well when I say. When you say do blank, I feel blank. He says I'm picking a fight and overreacting. Then I'll calmly tell him I'm only wanting to tell him how something did he did made me feel. He then tells me that my feelings are wrong and I'm being stupid. I try to t- talk and he walks away and refuses to talk to me for hours. I don't follow him and the subject drops. What am I doing wrong? The cycle happens every time regardless of the subject. I Do I never say anything while I feel concerned or hurt about something? Question mark. And in case... And in case you suggest it, counseling is not an option for us. He is totally against it. Sorry, this is long, but please help. Uh, just go to counseling. No, I'm just kidding. No, totally joking. So There's a lot there. Yes, there is a lot there. I would consider... Melanie used to write me a lot of letters early on, and if the situation deems it so, she will write me a letter, an email, or used to be handwritten letters, and those helped slow down everything and go through things. So that was a good way. And so there's no guarantee. And I don't think we've ever said this, although we expect it sometimes. Okay. I'm doing an I statement. Well, because I'm doing an I statement, the other person should respond this way. Well, hold on though. This is something I think is happening is that it says, I've heard you both talk about I statements. Mm -hmm. This does not mention the clearing structure. So using I statements without the actual tool of the clearing structure, which you can get. Well, no, she's probably using the clearing structure because she says, when you say do blank, I feel blank. No, I'm not. I'm not going to assume that she's using the clearing structure. She hasn't named it in here. And when you don't use the clearing structure and you don't have the rest of the outline for an I statement, mm. you are in, in a way you're using half of the tool. It's like breaking off the other part of a, a screwdriver and you only have the little nub and you're like, well, it's in there. Why doesn't it work? Right. You don't have the back half of the screwdriver that does all of the work. So mm-hmm. the I statements are like the end of the screwdriver. The rest of the clearing structure is like the handle. The torque. The torque. Amatic. Rex. (laughs) 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 That was weird. (laughs) Um, But so you, I think if you're not using the clearing structure for your I statements, that is where you start. Mm -hmm. Because like Seth said, when, like in the past, I would write Seth letters because I knew, and I actually didn't know like logically, it was sort of like a visceral thing that if I tried to talk to him about it, it wouldn't go well. He would get upset um, we would probably fight. So I was unknowingly writing it down because it slows down his process and he can't get flooded. It slows so, down your process too. Oh, for sure. Yes, definitely slow down my process as well. So that's the first thing that I would say is make sure you're actually using the clearing structure. When I tried to use I statements before I used the actual clearing structure, it was a nightmare because it was just was like, I think you're mean. Mm-hmm, I think you're mm-hmm. bad. I don't like how you did that. Right. And then there was no like handle to the screwdriver to make it make any sense. It was very, yeah, when, when, we, when we use those statements the wrong way, it can be very Melanie-centric or very yeah. Seth-centric. And that doesn't give your partner uh, room. So, and it says, should I just not, uh, do I never say anything when I feel concerned or heard about something? Absolutely not. You have to share that stuff. And yeah, I don't know if you're using the clearing structure or not, but go uh, download it at anatomyofmarriage.com, get the clearing structure and use it thoroughly. And hopefully your husband will listen. Check for Mariner. Whoops. 
Don't know what that was. It Some was alarm. an alarm. Why? Why? Now it's all messed up. Well, that's it'll. It should start again. It's not. I think. Uh, well, oh, that's on Facebook. So okay, that's keep on so going. Annoying. Keep on going. Okay, my sex drive is lower than my husband's. Anytime I try to talk to him about things I like or don't like should sexually, I turn that off and turn it back on. Yeah, just restart it's it. Very frustrating. Um. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, our other thing messed up. Okay, just share that one and then do it again. Yeah. I don't know how. If you're on Facebook, write something. <laughs> Live video. Start. Okay. There we go. Sorry about that. Okay. If you're watching on Facebook Live, we just redid it. So here we go again. Okay. My sex drive is much lower than my husband's. Anytime I try to talk to him about things I like or don't like, sexually or sometimes otherwise, he gets really frustrated and storms off. I know at least part of this is family of origin because that's what his dad does, but I'm not sure how to help this. He doesn't like listening to podcasts and has been to counseling in the past, but it but felt it wasn't really helpful. I want to grow in our marriage, but I also don't want to feel like I'm just laying over and not having my voice heard. Okay. Okay. Can I say something first, though? I think we... I, I didn't know you were going to switch the questions so oh, soon, sorry. and I wasn't quite done talking about the first one. But, um, so they're... So you're going back to the first one then? Yeah, but it relates to the second one. So it says, when I calmly tell my husband uh, I'm only wanting to tell him something and how he did made me feel, then he then tells me my feelings are wrong and I'm being stupid. Mm. That's not okay. I'm not saying your husband's like the worst person on the planet and he's terrible, whatever. But that's just not an okay cycle to have um, being happening. And the same thing applies to this question. The next question, it says... um, that he gets angry. Where did it say it? He storms he off. Storms off when it's you talk about origin. stuff. So um, that to me indicates uh, sort of like your husbands in these scenarios are kind of like their emotional development in some areas is like a kid's. Like they're not quite grown up about it yet. But you, uh, I'm I'm only bringing this up because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. You can't point at their dumb behavior. And be like, see, you're storming off. Blah. Like it only ever makes it worse. And right. I used to do that with Seth. That increases all the, time. the pursued distancer dynamic. And I want these ladies to listen to what Melanie is saying. And also because I was like this and in a bad spot, I can get like that again. Right. So I don't want any advice we ever give to be used like, well, they said this and you are doing this kind oh, yeah. of thing. You know never, what I'm saying? It's never, don't ever weaponize our advice. Ever, don't, ever, ever. Please don't. I used to do that with sermons and other stuff. And it's just... School, oh, you would do that worst. with books, you like psychological stuff you were learning or therapeutic stuff. It, he would just like turn it against me and then all of a sudden I was all the bad things. Well, so I instead psychologically of, superior. Instead of using <laughs> our uh, stuff as weapons, I want you to use it as white flags, right? So... Use the tools as a way to say, I'm here. I want to be closer. I love you. Something's not quite right. And not pointing fingers, not ta- not placing blame, but saying, hey, something's not working. White flag. I surrender. Let's surrender together and figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have a pattern like someone's stomping away or refusing to speak to you, that is sh- an indicator that emotionally, relationally, they're just not... Um, they have not processed some things and aren't quite being an adult. It's an indicator that they are flooded, right? Also, so what? also, um, what's her name talked about? You can only perform to the level that you've trained. 
So if you yeah, are an athlete true. and you've only ever run a mile, you're not about to run three. Um, you can only mm-hmm. usually perform to the level in which you have trained. So right. if your partner, that's the farthest they've ever gone emotionally or relationally is like, I listened to you, but now I'm going to freak out. They're right. going to do it every single time until it's trained and unlearned. I didn't mean to interrupt. Before. No, that's fine. Uh, hey, Jimmy. What's up, buddy? Hey, I haven't Jimmy. seen you in a while. Um, Yes. Okay. So storming out or doing something, that means that the other partner is flooded and whatever happened prior to that was building up to the flood. So I would very much look at, okay, what are, what are the precursors? What are the, in, in therapy speak, what are the antecedents mm-hmm. to that behavior? What is happening before to get you to flooded level? Because mm-hmm. obviously flooded, okay, we've gone too far, we've done too much. That's a Pedro the Lion song. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, you want to look at this stuff before. So it's no, it, I don't, I'm not going to blame myself for the times when I like got flooded and just like, this is too much because yeah. it's like fight or flight or freeze mm-hmm. or, or I don't know the third one. I should know the fourth one. But okay, think about that. Know that that's a pattern. And then also you could even say, hey, I have really something to talk about, but I don't want to get flooded. I don't want this to be an argument. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me when you feel yourself getting flooded, husband? Mm-hmm. You know, like when is it too much? And I swear to God, I will like, Go, I will like mm-hmm. ease off and give yeah. you a minute, but it is something important. Just yeah. like just like paying the mortgage is important. Mm-hmm. Just like taking care of our kids and giving the food is important. This is as important. So we are going to talk about it, but I'm going to be very attuned to you yeah. and I want you to tell me what's going well, on. Well, and you can also use the AOM fight map. It's on anatomymarriage.com and it's a thing that essentially has boundaries around how you fight. When I say fight, we don't, yeah, it's it's fight, flight, freeze. Hide under a rock. (laughs) Um, So if you think about having... I created the AOM fight map from our experiences of when we fight because... I needed to be knowledgeable enough about Seth's triggers. He needed to be knowledgeable enough about mine. And essentially all it is, (laughs) he said, is that a fight club? (laughs) Yeah, it's a fight club, Paul. (laughs) Um, But it's essentially... We don't talk about it. It's essentially a way to know your specific partner's triggers. And if I know that if I say something like, oh yeah, well, that's just what your dad does. If I say that to Seth, then it immediately goes from like zero to 10,000, right? Right. And I need to know at some point that I am weaponizing my knowledge of my husband if I am using that language with him. Um, So the the AOM fight map is a white flag. Like I said, it's the white flag in the middle. But I'm going to say this. So the question that was, my sex drive is much lower than my husband's anytime I try to talk about it. So the thing is, I'm not sure what you're asking exactly because it sounds like you're saying my sex drive is lower, but when I talk about it, we start fighting. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this is a communication problem. I will address the sex drive part of it, though. Um, my sex drive would be lower, too, if my husband pitched a fit like a baby every time I tried to bring it up. So just maybe share this with your husband. <laughs> and Oh, yeah, husband. that'll help. That won't be flooded. Hey, listen to this podcast. <laughs> Get flooded at me. Get mad at me. Um, But I think there's something to be said there. Like you have to, and this goes for all relationships, all intimate relationships. You have to be um, appealing to the person that you want to have sex with. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like if you never brush your teeth and you have all the butt sweat all day long and you don't care how you speak to me, of course I'm not going to have a high sex drive for you. Right. Ooh. Right. And there's a thing, there's something to think about in that statement of, um, our sex drive is related to the road we're on. Oh, I like that. Mm. Like if the road is crappy and you don't even want to drive down it because you know it's a dead end anyway, 
yeah, just turn around and go somewhere else. But that doesn't mean sex drive in general and all of your personness is low. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to rethink it and sort of have that conversation. But it really does seem like this is a communication issue and not a sex drive issue. Yeah. So use the clearing structure, though. And remember the white flag concept. You're not pointing out your prob- your husband's problems. You're not you know, weaponizing your knowledge. You're using a white flag to say, hey, this is something that I think would, you know, if we could solve this, it would draw us closer. How can we get there? Mm-hmm. Remember what Dr. Corey Allen says? Do you remember? You no. always say it wrong. <laughs> the way you do sex is the way you do life. Right. <laughs> Hashtag Dr. Corey is awesome. That's right. Okay. Sexy Marriage Radio. Go check it out. It's a great podcast. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for... This is the question? Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for bringing up the topic of porn and looking at other women. Me and my husband are literally fighting through this same thing, and I'm so grateful to hear you say it's not okay. We are currently looking for counseling. I think we need it for several reasons. Our communication needs work. My husband is very... What? Oh, going. sorry. My, hus- my husband is very quiet and holds a lot in, and then I feel like I'm left to figure it out all on my own. He feels like he is walking on eggshells. Also, I think there's a lot of undealt with stuff in my husband's childhood, and I think he is looking at girls as a way to cope. We also need to work on rebuilding trust this season, and this season has really taken oh a gosh. toll on us. What kind of counselor would you recommend for us? Okay. I may recommend... A marriage and family therapist because they will be able to take your background information, your family of origin, his family of origin, and kind of formulate a working theory for all of this stuff. Past childhood issues obviously will affect how we relate to one another intimately and physically. And, well, same. And uh, emotionally? Emotionally, that's what I meant. Um, all, always, right? How, how you learn to communicate in your family of origin, what, why you're choosing to cope instead of not doing this. Um, she said that my husband holds a lot in. Culturally, males do hold a lot in. And also, uh, culturally, women tend to be the emotional barometer of mm-hmm. a relationship. We've talked about that before. So I would very much so recommend a licensed marriage and family therapist. Most insurance covers that. Also, you could do some individual work if you're if you're open to that. And let's see. Yeah, I'm glad that we were able to normalize some things like mm-hmm. coping, um, communication, sex drive, all kinds of stuff. Because mm-hmm. I think a big part of our show and a big part of how it helps us is to normalize this stuff. Oh, we're not nuts. We're not crazy. Mm-hmm. People, we're humans just like everybody else. We're not nuts. We're legumes. <laughs> I thought <laughs> That's that was pretty funny. good. Um, the thing that came to my mind when this question came up, and this is something I talked to, um, I can't remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but I think it's a really important thing to think about. So if you think it did, I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but um, you know how in our, in our culture, men are not allowed to have very many feelings. They can be angry. Um, they can't be like thoughtful or, um, sweet. Like it's just not socially normalized for men to have very many emotions. They can be horny and angry, angry, have sex or super hard worker driven. Yeah. That's about it. They've got like three emotions that they can funnel everything they're feeling through. So one of the reasons when it says at the bottom, um, I think there's a, uh, he's looking at girls as a way to cope because it's the only 
uh, and I not I am not excusing that behavior. I don't think that it's okay. But if you think of it from a sort of a social lens of, well, why is my husband doing that? Or why is he looking at porn? Or why does he want to have sex all the time? There is an element of that is the only coping mechanism that society has deemed okay for men to do. They can either do that or be like a fitness, into fitness and like beat each other up and do MMA or like dirt bikes or something. You know what I mean? Like there's not very many options for men. Um and so I just want to, I don't know, I was trying to think of something manly. I don't know what a dirt bike even is. Um, I'm trying to think of like <laughs> trucks. Wings, wings. <laughs> but um, I think it's important to think about or to, to know. How about that? I just think that's an important factor to understand that men don't have very many outlets, out, out, outlets. outlets to express what they're feeling and thinking. And so it does tend to just all get funneled into like three things, which the top two. I totally pointed out my husband has a hissy fit and walks away anger right or my husband's looking at porn sex right it gets all of this yeah all of this emotion gets funneled through like three little outlets and and like a a women can cry they can laugh they can call their mom they can call their friends they can go knit they can join a wine club they can paint they have Mm -hmm. all these outlets that are completely socially acceptable Mm -hmm. and men have like three so I want to maybe use that as a way to invite conversation around these things that your husband is doing and not so much be like, you terrible, stupid idiot, you look at porn, you look at girls, but um, invite sort of a breaking open of uh, ability to talk about things in a new way without blaming and weaponizing. Again, it's raise the white flag, don't tell them what they're doing wrong, all of that stuff, but invite the conversation. Find out the why, not the Mm -hmm. this hurts so much, this is the stupidest thing you could ever do. Mm -hmm. Why do you do this? find out the why behind it. I was talking to a coworker and we're talking about crying or something. And like for, for me to cry sucks so bad. Like, uh, it's so emotionally draining. It feels literally like I ran a marathon because you don't think it's okay. You have learned that it is not okay to cry. So you will do everything in your power to not cry. Like a happy cry is fine that I don't feel like, exhausted drain i feel a little bit silly after that but like a, like a, like the handful of times that i have cried you know it's just like it's like lifting 1000 pounds mm-hmm. well and think of just from a, a social perspective like this these people in this like the first two questions like my husband gets mad and s- says i'm stupid and storms away that's because he's not comfortable sitting in the discomfort right. of not being right or not being able to control the situation and it's really just a skill of building up our muscle in different areas of being flexible to say, I can sit with discomfort. I don't need to push you away. I can cry about how I'm feeling. Mm. I can do another, I can choose another avenue besides anger, pornography, um, aggressive behavior, yeah. uh, whatever other things. That you, you know what choose. a really good show would be? Uh, a show on the topic of, and some psychoeducation around male flooding. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like the physiolo- physiological parts, the emotional parts for for the for a guy, mm-hmm. right? And then how women can understand that. And you know, there would be a fairly one sided conversation, but that's okay. It's just mm-hmm. very like succinct, topical. Yeah. You know, and then your experience of male flooding and mm-hmm. how how that feels to you on the other side, just like oh my gosh, he. He can't even cry. He can't even talk about mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like as evidenced by the times that we've gone through that mm-hmm. and as evidenced by sometimes you ask, hey, what are you thinking? And I'm like, 
Got it. You know? <laughs> yes. It's, it's just it's just a thing. And that's where a lot of people have arguments. That's where a lot of women go, what is he doing? Why? What Are we even married? Kind of thing. Yeah. And um, the other thing, too, is that people go to addictions like drugs. People smoke cigarettes or drink beer alcohol. all the time. Alcohol, alcohol is like, such an acceptable and, yeah. way. Of- and think of it like, like, I think this just came to me right now, like, we need to develop and grow emotionally and relationally as we get older, meaning like from the time we're newborns, we are always developing and growing emotionally and relationally. But at some point it becomes unacceptable socially for boys to cry at things. And and I'm not saying boys need to be feminine. Like I'm not saying that. Uh, I think there's we need to just be ourselves and be mm-hmm. strong and have mm-hmm. a growth mindset. But at some point what it's like is it like fifth grade um the boys said all right i've done all my emotional and relational developing i'm just going to shove that kid in a closet that Mm -hmm. fifth grade version of my emotional self will be in that closet Mm. and then everything else i'm going to grow my physical self i'm going to grow my mental self i'm going to become a hard worker become a mechanic become Mm -hmm. a lawyer whatever i'm going to become but my emotional self is a fifth grader trapped in a locker Mm. and um how would that feel if if around fifth or sixth grade you're like okay melanie you don't get to cry. Yeah. You just don't get to, okay? So shut it down. Yeah, well, and you then know? think about this. When you are crying, when there's a situation where you're incredibly stressed out, someone you love dies, some, you know, there's a really horrible tra- tragedy, you are then bringing out of the locker a fifth grade boy to mm. deal with your emotional stuff. That's a great point, stuff. yeah. So, so your wife is sitting down with you saying, why don't you? Why can't you talk to me about your emotional blah, blah, blah and sex drive and mm-hmm. I want this and I want that and she's doing this, this, and this to a 10-year-old boy right. emotionally right. and expecting a 35 or 40-year-old man to yeah. respond. And then the, the, well, this is really good, then the shame narrative that comes along yeah. with like, okay, yeah, like I'm literally a 35 year old man i got should have all my s together mm-hmm. but i r- literally feel like a 10 year old yeah. person and then your 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 spouse who you hopefully have a, a good attachment to who you want your softest place to land mm-hmm. is like berating you and just breaking you down mm-hmm. that 10 year old kid is going to be like peace out yeah it's going to shut the out, locker right and yeah. then you're going to pursue more why don't you talk why don't you do this why don't you do that mm-hmm. all this stuff and then that's but, where the yeah. real trouble comes and think comes. about it like this if you're thinking of a, you know you have a 40 year old's anger that you've worked on all the time. And a 40-year-old's You've got a 40-year-old's ability to check out with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You have a 40-year-old's brain to drive a car and run away. Mm-hmm. But you have a 10-year-old's ability to emotionally respond to right. what's happening. So it's just, I don't know. I think these questions all sort of like brought up the same thing. That's why I, I lumped them together. Because mm-hmm. it was like, it, it feels to me like the husbands in these scenarios are like a fifth grade boy locked in a locker. And there's no shame in no. that. It's just a reality no. of it, right? No shame at all. And again, you can't weaponize this. This is like, imagine if this was you. Imagine if if society said, oh, you're a girl. You can't do this anymore after the age of seven. So I'm going to lock you in a locker and you'll never develop this skill or this whatever. Mm-hmm. You would feel horrific, but you also wouldn't know what you were missing. You wouldn't know that your emotional self was 10. You would think mm-hmm. your emotional self was 30. Well, think about it in the opposite way. Like, you know, when, when young girls start going through puberty or something, then you're like, oh, my innocent self is gone. Mm-hmm. Men are looking at me yeah. in a very different way. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, you and, can, then, and then your whole stuff with that. So we, we could do a show... Uh, 
Well, the opposite of, yeah. That, like if, or like if you that, have right? been abused as a young girl. Oh like my that, goodness, yeah. That changes, that's the opposite script where Ooh. all of a sudden your emotional self is an abused self and it's totally different, but yeah. it's kind of the same in, mm. in a few ways. But I love talking about this stuff, but I also hate it because as a, a family therapist, like I think about these things day in and day out and talk to people in real examples. <laughs> hey, sweetheart. Hi. You want to say hello? <clears throat> I have a feeling yeah. you're... <laughs> say hi. Say hi. Hi. Say hi. <laughs> Hattie just woke up. Good morning. Say good morning. Good morning. Okay. Um, okay. Let's so can you say, go to audibletrial.com forward slash anatomy of marriage? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> so go to audibletrial forward slash... Anatomy of marriage. Yeah, audibletrial.com forward slash anatomy of marriage. Yeah, get your books. They're free. Seriously, we get a kickback from that and it literally helps us and we want you to do it. Also, go rate and review the show because that helps us as well. Remember to send your in your questions to mm-hmm. hello at anatomy of marriage or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram where we are very active and... Good conversation. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. Yeah, and please share this podcast with your married friends, your friends who are in relationships. This The goal of our show at this point is to literally answer any and all marriage and relationship questions because we see that some people aren't doing that mm-hmm. and we want to provide that safe space. So please share this with your friends. Send in your questions about any topic. It doesn't matter what it is. And we are here for you. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It helps uh, new listeners to find the show and spread the word about the show. And we love you all so, so much. All right. And have an amazing day. Peace out. Bye. Bye.